Um, we are on this uh, little series um, looking at uh, John chapter 15, and uh, we are kind of going slowly uh, verse by verse. Actually, I'm doing a little backtrack because I'm, I'm cheating because I did, I did a few verses last week uh, with the online one, and I'm kind of um, reviewing a few of those today as well. Um, but uh, the, verses, the verses for today go like this, and it is uh, John chapter 15, verse 4 and verse 5. And can I encourage you, if you have a Bible with you, switch it on, uh, take it out, um, and, um, and look at God's Word for yourself, please, uh, and test what I say and um, allow, allow the Word of God to, to dwell in you richly. Uh, John 15, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I would like to begin by telling you about my first car. A beautiful Renault 5, not this actual one, I couldn't find a photograph of the actual one, but this was, this was her, and you know what it's like when you, when you get your first car, and you, and you take her, you take her for drives in the country, and you have romantic times together. I even took her to Halfords and bought her new speakers. Um, and and I and I, you know, I polished her and made her. Actually, I was never any good at that stuff. But um, you know, it was it was it was my my first car. And um, the thing was this: is that is that me and cars are not great. And I know that there are a couple of you um, here who are really really good at this stuff. So I, I apologise for my frailty and my weakness. Um, but I have to tell you what happened one Christmas day. There are a number of stories about this car. They're all in the same sort of territory. But one Christmas day, I think we had two kids, and we'd driven across town, across Maidstone, on Christmas day to go and spend the day with Meg's parents in said little Renault 5, um, which was the same beautiful red cover, but with a bit more rust. Um, and, um, you know, we had our Christmas dinner, and it was good, and, and, you know, we got to the end of the evening, and, and we left kind of relatively early because, uh, you know, little ones, we had to get them across town and get them to bed, and we got probably a mile and a half away from Meg's parents' house, and um, I think I noticed just after the car came to a stop that the fuel gauge was on zero. It's Christmas. It's kind of the late 90s, so stuff is not open in the way that it is now. And there were no petrol stations open. And, uh, you know, mobile phones, you know, if you had one that worked, you were lucky with its kind of pull-out aerial and battery pack taking with you. Um, so I walked back to uh, my father-in-law's house, and the only solution was because they had diesels. The only solution was to find their lawnmower and siphon the petrol out of the lawnmower with a little, in a little kind of bottle, take it, take it to the car with my kids still sitting in it, 
uh, and then we could drive the rest of the way home. Anyone here ever run out of fuel? Yes. Any of you free? How long do you leave it before you, you know, before you, well, while it's gone on to the red? I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm good, I'm good, like just two days ago, I should learn my lessons. I actually went on to zero miles and I was like, this is, this is bad. This is not, you know, I, I should learn, but I, but I don't. As I was, as I was preparing this, this, this week, I, I got really, really hung up. It's the second, the second week in, in three where I got really, really hung up on, the, on a particular idea. So um, you're going to have to go on a little bit of a journey with me. But I got hung up on the word nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I think I found myself kind of pushing back against that a bit, thinking, no, 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 no. Jesus can't really mean that. Because I'm quite good at stuff. You know? I, I'm, 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 I'm okay. I know I'm better than that. I'm, there's some stuff I'm quite good at. Um, and, and so I, I, I kind of felt my inner teenager kicking back against this verse. And I felt my kind of, my inner self wanting to write the talk that said, yeah, but, you know, no, you really can do some stuff. I felt like I wanted the right to write the talk that said, I can do all things through my own strength and will. Some of you will recognize that's a terrible misquote. I wanted to write... I can be anything, do anything with anyone, and nothing can stop me. You know, there's culture is kind of creeping in, isn't it? I wanted to write, I, I have the power to choose nothing, Lord, are you sure? I don't think I got as far as wanting to say, I want to be the author of my own perfect story or the master of my destiny if you were around in the 80s. It's the same stuff. I kind of felt I wanted to make it easier for you and for me because nothing seems uncomfortable. Really? Nothing? So I want to backtrack with you just a little bit. I'm not going to do the whole Bible this time. Or, well, and, um, I can't make promises. We'll see where we go. Um, but, I, but I do want to kind of just try and unpack a little bit the context of John chapter 15. Because you see, we, we're part, of our, part of our response to this nothing thing is, is but, but don't I have worth? You know, I can do things. I can achieve things. I, I, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, aren't I? Lord, I, I'm, here I am. Uh, and, and I just want to set a different context for us. You see, this, this set of verses in John chapter 15 is, it is at a very particular context. It's at a very particular time in Jesus' ministry. He is... He is approaching a trial and the cross. He's approaching uh, that moment in the garden where he prays and is in agony. And in, in this evening, before all of that happens, he has these amazing moments with his disciples, with his friends, 
where he is communicating to them some of the most important things that he will say. So the first bit we have to dive into a, into a different book, into Luke uh, chapter 22. And in Luke chapter 22, uh, Jesus is at the Passover with his friends. And they have got to the point where it's the evening meal. And they are sharing the Passover, this, this Jewish feast together. And what Jesus does is he takes the things of that feast and he retranslates them and says there's a new covenant here. There's a new covenant and this covenant is made by my body being broken and he breaks bread and gives thanks. And by my blood being poured out and they share a cup of wine. It's an amazing moment and, 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 and they, they, they would have had this richness of how significant that was but they would not have yet got how significant and rich that moment was. He is taking uh, the whole of the Old Testament and saying, and it all pivots on this. What you're going to see in the next few days is my death, my body being broken, and my blood being poured out for the whole of humanity. And I'm going to write a new covenant in my blood. So the first thing of this evening is that there's a covenant in blood. The blood of Jesus, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the fulfillment of the Old Testament and a new covenant that is permanent and is once and for all. The next bit is this in, in John chapter 13. And we see Jesus doing this really strange thing where he, he takes off his outer garment and he adopts the position of a servant and washes his disciples' feet. I, I don't know about you, but um, and Meg talked a little bit about this uh, earlier in the week and another event that we had, but, but it's, it's quite difficult to be served for some of us, isn't it? You know? To have someone else come and do something for us is, is hard. You know, we, we want to stay as independent as we possibly can and stay in our own homes as long as we possibly can. And we don't want the carers to have to come in. And we don't want someone to help us. And we definitely don't want to go to a home. You know? We want to hang on for as long as, but, but, it, but it starts a lot earlier than that. It starts as children where we, where we want to do things by ourselves and we don't want someone to help us. And here's Jesus. All, 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 these, all these folks have been following him around for three years. And he's at the most precious moment and he does this thing which is just weird. This is, the, this is the moment where he should be kind of leaving them with the victory charge that says, come on, lads, go and do this. This is the fight that you've got to do. Come on. This, this should be the, you know, the keynote presentation moment. And he takes off his outer robe and he, and he washes the dirt off their feet with his hands. And this is Jesus who made the whole world. 
in a word. It was made through him and for him. And he, he has given up all of that to come and be on planet Earth and take, at the key moment, the lowest position, washing his friend's feet. You see, if we want to enter into the things that Jesus has got for us, we actually need to let him serve us. Really, Mark? Yeah. Look what he's doing on the cross. He's taking it all for us. He's paying the price for us, dealing with everything. And then Jesus, and then Jesus goes on, and in John chapter 14, um, this wonderful set of verses, and, and Jesus says to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe also in God. Believe, uh, uh, you believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go, am going to prepare a place for you. And he outlines them for this wonderful picture about how everything is about to change. And it's a, it's a bridal picture of a, of a groom going to the father's house to literally build an extension on it so that once they're married, they can go and live there together in the father's residence. And that's what he's got. For you and for me. He has built a house for us so that we can go and live in the Father's presence. And he's trying to explain to them, I mean, he's doing an amazing job. I just don't think they get it and I don't think we get it. That, that everything is about to change. So he talks about a house and then he goes on to say, because um, Thomas asks him, um, hey, he says, Lord, we, nice, nice idea, Lord, but we, but we don't know, we don't know where you're going, so how do we know the way? And Jesus comes up with this great response, one of which I don't need my glasses for. It's a new thing. I'm getting used to them being on and off. I'm quite, your Meg keeps threatening to buy me one of those little chains that go, I'm like, no, I'm not going there yet. I'm an independent man, and I will not have help. I just need to get over myself, don't I? Um, Jesus says, I am the way. You don't know the way? I'm the way. The truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. See, he is the one that gives us access. But he also then goes on to talk about in, in John 14, verse 10. He says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? He, he, at this point, he is just, he's, he's completely messing with their heads at the point that they think that they've got it, that they're kind of understanding who he is and what he's come to do. He's like, okay, God the Father, if you've, if you've seen me, you've seen him. What? How does that work? Because I am in my Father, and my Father is in me. How, how does that work, Jesus? 
And then he goes on in um, John 14, 12 uh, to talk about the works that the Father does and the works that Jesus does and that we will get to join in with him and do even greater works. So we've got covenant, we've got service, we've got the home that he has made for us. We've got Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life who gives us access. We've got Jesus being the Father and the Father being Jesus. If you see one, you see the other, and they are in each other. And we get included joining in with the works of the Father. I mean, this is pretty huge, yeah? Yeah, okay. I thought it was quite huge. Um, and then, but this is still before we get to the vine passage. And, but the vine passage is really interesting because it's surrounded by two passages that are both about the Holy Spirit. You know, if something if something's important, you mention it once. If something's really important, you write about it twice and you bookend it. And you put a really good illustration in the middle. I think that's what he's doing. He talks about the Holy Spirit, and he's trying to explain to them what will come. The Holy Spirit, the advocate, the spirit of truth. And he says to them, he says to them that that he's not going to leave them as orphans. Can you imagine the terror of what they must have felt as Jesus is tried and is crucified? They followed this guy for the for the last three years of their lives. All of their hopes and dreams, all, all of the Old Testament, all of the Torah is pointing to Jesus. And they think they found the one and he gets killed. But maybe then they remember the echo. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you without a helper. And he says that in the Holy Spirit, that we will be alive in him. And we says to them one day that you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Hang on, Jesus. You, first of all, you said that you were in the Father, and the Father is in you. And now you're saying that you're in the Father, and the Father is in you, and we are, you're in us. What? Hello? How, how far are you going to take this, Jesus? On that day, you'll realize, I am in my Father, you're in me, and I am in you. And he goes on, verse 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Oh, it seems there's a cost with this. We actually have to do what he says. a bit uncomfortable with being told what to do. It requires some obedience on our part. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. But he also goes on to say in verse 26 that the Holy Spirit, he is the one who will guide us. He is the advocate. He will remind you of all things. A present Reality, reminding us of who God is, of who Jesus is. And then in verse 27, the peace I leave with you, 
my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled. You see, this is all connected to the bit that came before. And then they have those wonderful little transition lines that John includes. End of verse, chap- end of chapter 14. Come now, let us leave. <laughs> Love it. I just had a meal. Okay, let's go. <laughs> so, so, so just imagine the picture. They are, they, they've left the Passover meal. They, they're, going, they, they're going somewhere. Where, where's, where's Jesus taking us now? We're all following him. Who, has anyone, is someone on the washing up? I hope someone was on the washing up. Good. Got that covered. And, and, they're, and, they're, fo- and, they're, following, and they're following Jesus. And, and, and may, maybe it happens like this. I don't know. But it seems like Jesus often uses what's in front of him. So hear the maybe. Maybe they're wandering through a vineyard at night. And vineyard has got, they've got rows. So maybe, you know, maybe there's five or six behind Jesus and another set down here and another set down here on the next row and the next row and, and the next row. And they're, and they're going through this vineyard at night. And then Jesus, Jesus stops and he's probably, you know, I imagine he's kind of trailed his hand along the leaves for a little while. How I express this to these guys. And he stops and he turns. This is still my surmising, by the way. But this bit's not. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. See, he's still trying to explain the same thing. But but this has this whole extra layer of significance because Israel, Israel is the vineyard. Israel, Israel is the appointed one. And Jesus is coming and saying, it's a new season. It's a new covenant. It's a new time. I am the true vine. With those echoes of those Old Testament phrases of the great I am. This is a vineyard that belongs to God the Father. This is the kingdom. And Jesus as the true vine is planted into the Father's ground to absorb all of the life of the Father. You see, Jesus is in the Father, and the Father is in Jesus. That's how that works if you're planted into the ground. And they're going, oh, maybe now this makes a bit of sense. And then he says, but you, you are the branches. And now they get the picture. Because they have to stay in him in order for the sap to flow, for the life to flow. So they are in him, and he is in them, and the Father is in them, as Jesus is in the Father, so the Father is in him. And, and you see the, the glorious, wonderful, organic, beautiful, messy, joyous picture of just 
the enormity of what Jesus is trying to say to them and to us. He values us so much that he would pay the price. It's a new covenant. That he would serve us. That he would make us citizens of a new kingdom, of a heavenly kingdom. That he would give us access to the Father. That he would include us in the Father's plans. And he fills us with his life. So how is it possible that I can still treat Jesus like a petrol station? Me. And so I guess you do too. You know, that I, I, I run around getting busy and doing the stuff that I think that he may or may not have told me to do. Who knows? And then I come charging in, exhausted, going, Oh, Holy Spirit, please fill me up. I'm, I'm very tired. I was going to say something else. You know, and we, and we arrive, we arrive at the filling station of the Holy Spirit once a week and we go, please top me up so I can just get through another week of being a mum because it's exhausting. Holy Spirit has not got any petrol stations. He does not have any. Don't get me wrong. I love the, the stream called the filling station. It's great. And I've got loads of, a number of friends who are, who are running them. So I'm not digging that. I'm just saying that he doesn't, have a, he doesn't have a petrol pump. He doesn't have a Holy Spirit pump. He doesn't have that. He doesn't have a convenience store where you can go in and get Pringles and Twirls that I shouldn't buy. I have been doing better, and then I was doing worse. So I've, it's the first of Jan it's the first of October. So I'm going to do better again. <laughs> you know, when you empty out your car and you go, "Oh, okay," it's been like that, has it, for the last two weeks? <laughs> he hasn't got a petrol pump. He's only got a vine. Or maybe, maybe we could tweak it a bit and go, you know, maybe, maybe God's got a new design here. Maybe, maybe he is on the leading edge of those cars that are electric but don't have very big batteries because the road is electrified. And as you drive along, then your car is going to be charged up. So it's all going to be fine. Is it like that? No, it's not like that. Uh, yeah, it is quite cool, though, isn't it? <laughs> oh, um, although quite inexpensive to, in, uh, to install on country roads. Um, there we go. See, th this, this model and the previous one are, are, are so cheap. They, they, they're just not. They're not what he's got for us. What does it mean to remain? I think, it, I think it's based on covenant, not feelings. 
to remain in Jesus is based on the covenant, what he's done for us on the cross. It requires our surrender to his serving. And that's hard. It also requires that you allow Jesus to change your home address. That your home address is now citizen of heaven. You know what? Um, one of the one of the songs that we that we sang earlier. Um, there was one there was one line in it which I go, yeah, that's that's true, but this other thing is also true. It's this thing about when I'm on when I'm on eternity shore. I'm not on eternity shore. I'm not going to be there. Can I tell you why? Eternal life's already started. He who has the Son has life. I mean, keep singing the lyric. It's a great lyric because we will go home at some point. I love it. But, but the other reality is that eternal life, if you're a follower of Jesus, has started right now. That what, what happens then will, will just be a transition into the permanence of eternity, sure. Allow Jesus to change your home address so that you truly are a citizen of heaven. That you live with the purpose of the Father. That's one of the three directions that we kind of laid out as a church family, and you'll hear more and more of that. And allow yourself to be constantly filled rather than needing to go to a filling station. Can you imagine this? Okay. Meg and I have been married for, for 30 years, and I know marriage is uh, a joy and a struggle, and there'll be lots of um, different stories in the room as I share this thought, um, but hear the intention of it. Meg and I have been married for 30, 30 years now, and it, if, if I woke up every single morning and went, oh, gosh, um, darling, I've, I've bought you coffee. I don't know when it changed to coffee, but here's coffee. Um, can I... Can I just can I just check check in with you? Um, are we still okay? <laughs> you know, um, I was just in the night. I was worrying about it, and I, I just, you know, do you, do you love me, darling? Because I think I love you, but I'm oh, just you know. Can you imagine if every day started like that? I mean, marriage is hard enough anyway, but if you did that, it would be, be exhausting and over within a week, wouldn't it? You know? Some of you are nudging each other going. <laughs> what have I started? But the thing is, that's often what we do with Jesus. We, c we, ap we approach his eternal throne of grace where he has done everything for us and clothed us in righteousness and done the covenant thing on the cross and paid for everything. And we come in like paupers and orphans for whom we have not had our address changed. Folks, stop it. He said lovingly.
I say that to myself. What does it mean? What difference might it make? One of the questions that I ask when, when, I've, when I've done a talk like this is to say, okay, so it's Monday morning. Where are you? Let's imagine for a moment that Monday, Monday is shopping day for you. You get to aisle seven. I don't know whether this is right. In the big Tesco's. It's the chickpea aisle. It's just chickpeas. 17,000 varieties. Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. Does this matter there? Can you walk down, can you walk down that aisle knowing that you are a citizen of heaven? that your sins are forgiven, that in that place you don't need to wait until Sunday to be filled up, but in that place in the Isle of Chickpeas, that you can be filled afresh with His presence. Because if we even begin to touch on some of this stuff, then we can step into fruitfulness. If in the midst of the children screaming, at home, and one of them battering the other one with a small rubber toy that was never intended for that purpose. If in that place you know that you're a citizen of heaven, that everything's paid for, that even in that place you can be filled afresh with the life-giving flow of His Spirit then maybe we'd start to be fruitful. Shall we stand and we'll pray and I'll pray and, oh, yeah. Those places, Lord Jesus, where we are broken and wounded, where we come with so much stuff that clutters our lives and our living, Lord, come and clear the depths of our thinking, that we would know who we are in you. We would know what you've done. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, thank you that you are working now. Lord, I pray for this coming week for us, even more than this moment. I pray for this coming week that when we are looking after children, or trying to run a business, or worrying about the money, or even in aisle seven, that we would know the torrential rain of your presence in us. 